Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff, and as always, I'm joined by my good pals Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, their custom is to debate, deliberate, and uh, talk about the top four aspects that are most ubiquitous and most debatable of any given topic. And this time, we are debating the Mount Rushmore of... (sighs) Look, even as a nerd, I think, fill in the blank, is absolutely awful. Who chose it? This is my topic. And I think that sometimes... You can love something a little too much. Yeah. And a lot of my choices are about, I guess like this came up, This my first pick, which we'll get to, specifically was the reason why I thought of this. Mm-hmm. But basically, there are times when you are into a particular fandom or into a particular sports team or into anything in general, and you're just way in way too far. And in spite of how much I might respect it, on the periphery or enjoy whatever it is, uh, just stop. And just like, I think that it creates that sort of moment of just like, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess the listeners should know Michael's wearing a Sailor Moon costume <laughs> right now. <laughs> Do, it seems like the things that we it's love. A, it's Sailor Mercury. So. <laughs> so, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I love this. And I think the the niche fandoms uh, who follow us out there, you know who you guys are. All of you will love it too. Because it does seem like a little bit of wisdom and growth to confront the fact that that thing that gives you so much enrichment, your your fandom, your interest, is also a thing that you don't need to take so seriously. The fact that you can actually kind of evaluate some of it and realize Part of this thing isn't for me. I think that in America right now, we currently live in a point when a lot of people need to look in the mirror about who they are yeah, and yeah. what they're not necessarily like a fandom or whatever, mm-hmm. but just who they are as a person or what they believe in mm-hmm. and really take a good look and be like, this is what I'm not looking at. It's not like I'm looking at it from a skewed angle where I see something else. It's like you're looking at your, you need to look yourself in the mirror and be like, this is what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. It's very, and there's a lot of mea culpa in this. Okay. All of this. Like, that means my bad. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of like self-reflexiveness mm-hmm. in this. This is hmm. going to be a very cathartic episode. Oh, I love guys. it. I'm sorry. So that's where I just want to let you know where I was coming from. I don't know if Richard, you had any initial opening thoughts or salvos or whatever. Well, I kind of, I, I went slightly different. I think that some, a lot of mine are more, hey, I'm a nerd about a big topic. So you would think I would like X. Mm. Turns out I really hate it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's kind of more like that. I like, the, I like the different takes. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump right in. Michael chose the topic. Richard begins. All right, so this is the one that is the most general of them all. This isn't even about a specific nerddom or anything like that. It is more about just the type of culture that I think we all grew up in. I don't like coffee. <laughs> I really fucking hate coffee. Oh wow! And I think, I, I I think we all grew up in the same, you know, rough time period, where going out and getting coffee was something that became a thing that you did in the '90s. Going mm. to the coffee house. Mm-hmm. In our case, I mentioned I mentioned before that I grew up in a small town, and really the only thing we had to do most nights because I didn't drink was go out with my friends to Denny's, and oh, we had okay. to sit at Denny's all hours of the night, mm-hmm. and. You start to realize when you don't drink coffee and you're sitting there drinking your fifth or sixth refill of soda, the waitresses get really pissed at you about that. Mm. But not in a, but if you're drinking like your fifth or sixth cup of coffee, no one, no one thinks huh. anything about it. Hmm. Um, I've tried. Like, I've really tried <laughs> with coffee. This is... Uh, yeah. Because I know it's something I should be drinking. I feel like all my friends drink it. Mm-hmm. When you tell someone you don't... When you tell someone, oh, yeah, I don't drink coffee... I don't like it. There's nothing else that you'll get more of like food or drink wise that you get more of a really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh, yeah. Kind of and then a little bit of like a scornful. I, I, I'll get scornful kind of looks like Sarah, my wife is. I mean, anytime this comes up, she kind of like, well, you've just never had good coffee. Hmm. Oh, like, I no. reject that completely. I've had I've had many varieties of coffee and it's such a cultural thing, right? To be, I think, of a certain age and. I can't go to a Starbucks. I mean, I have, to, yeah. I, have to, I have to get like the crappy, like like super non-coffee, like vanilla bean, 
$12 like milkshake, basically. That's mm. what I can get at Starbucks. This seems to stem from, it feels like two different branches. One is like the over-commercialization of coffee via Starbucks mm-hmm. and their, their competing brands. Richard was beaten within an inch of his life by a guy named Juan Valdez. <laughs> Him and his burro. <laughs> Picks <laughs> the coffee bean one by one. What's the other aspect? The other aspect I think is the uh specialty coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Which I, Okay. Which right. it seems like I don't know, you you seem somehow to s- s- walk right down the middle between those two at Denny's, where mm-hmm. that's the fast food <laughs> chain that's serving coffee up all night as a as a social thing versus Starbucks, which is you go in, you get your specific coffee however it's made and then you leave or you go to a coffee shop and you get your cappuccino or whatever and you hang out with your friends and chat all night and listen to somebody play an acoustic version of smooth criminal i guess guess, right (laughs) no that's and that's the thing it's like but but like your version of it it was interesting is like right down the middle it's like you're out with friends but there's but you're going to like the shittiest place possible and like you're trying to get some sort of enjoyment out of both or you're like caught in the middle. It's interesting. Well, I couldn't, even as when I moved here to Los Angeles, this was, you know, mid nineties when right in the middle of the coffee house kind of culture came up and I would, you know, Hey, let's go see a movie. Then, you know, we'll go after afterwards, go get some coffee over at insomnia or stir crazy or something like that and go talk about the movie, to dissect it to like the nth degree for like three hours. I had to. I, you learn what you can order that's not coffee at coffee houses, and it's a pretty slim. Okay. You don't only have so many, you know, Italian ices oh. in your life. All right. So in this in this instance of being the nerd or the person that's, are you? Do you consider yourself a foodie, or do you consider yourself like a? Not well, a I food would consider myself a foodie. But, yeah, I guess okay. I would. I think I'm a food aficionado. Mm. I, I I like, I like eating. <laughs> I think that's 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 pretty clear. But no, I do like you know I like trying a lot of different foods, and I'm I'm pretty worldly with my food tastes and so it so i think that's why i've tried because i even like the smell of coffee i love the smell of coffee mm. so i have tried and tried and tried with it and it just tastes like burn mm. it just like tastes like somebody burned something yeah like a scrotum i will say just, something got burned i have and now it's in my my coffee mug. i have worked as a barista i've enjoyed no i i, I say i'll say i've drank I have drink of the the uh, <laughs> magic bean since I was probably 11 years old. And I do flash back to the moment when I first tried coffee and saw the, tasted this beverage that I'd seen adults taste and talk about and discuss and seen in the Folgers commercials and seen people socialize around coffee and realized it wasn't good. And it is something I recognize I consume multiple times per day that I can really think it tastes like dirty hot water. And then, then it's like, well, just add more, add more cream to it, or add more sugar. Yeah. It's like, well, if I wanted something that tasted like cream and sugar, I would just get a get thing cream, creamer sugar. and just put it straight yeah. into my mouth. I would also say the same is true for beer and wine. Like I remember when I first tried beer, after seeing people sing about it in commercials, and and <laughs> my friends who were my same age, you know, like risk their uh, um, potential college. <laughs> uh, entrance on you know buying it illegally and stuff like that true it's just i remember tasting of what the fuck is this taste awful <laughs> I, yeah, I just got used to it i didn't have that with beer i had that with wine it uh-huh. took a while i think everyone goes through the progression of well i don't like wine too well i don't like red wines to eventually being winos that's a yeah. progression yeah um, but yeah i mean I, I don't think you asked about a foodie thing yes i i consider myself a foodie so it is kind of a a thing that bums me out it actually bums me out mm. But it's just more sort of, I think, part of the nerd slash geek culture of the 90s, going out and getting coffee and going to a coffee house and playing board games or doing whatever you you know did there was a big part of that culture. Maybe just here in Los Angeles, I don't know. But And and I just always felt like I was an outsider, kind of interloping along. Let's go get coffee. Okay, well, do you think they have sodas there? And I already have to bring my, like, like, Big gulp into the coffee shop or something. <laughs> Michael, what's your first? Okay, let me preface my first choice by saying for 10 years. Okay, all three of us for a decade plus played in an adult kickball league. Yes, yes. Often those teams that we were on, uh, some of my teams, uh, whether it was the Hobo Olympians where we dressed up as literal hobos and Olympians smashed together and would play the entire season dressed up in costume, 
or we were the Utica Kickerbockers, where we mm-hmm. dressed up in turn of the century, old timey, overly blousy <laughs> baseball shirts. And I made sure that every picture that was taken of us was in sepia. Yeah. And we all had handlebar mustaches. I understand that I did this for a decade. But people that play Quidditch in real life as a sport <laughs> is. <sighs> Look, yeah. it's absolutely awful. Yeah. When. There are people that are running around with a broomstick between their legs pretending to play a sport that requires magic. Yes. Now, if you're not familiar with Quidditch, because you don't don't really, you've never seen a Harry Potter. I haven't. I've ridden the ride. Richard, Richard, I've seen them and I've, I've, yeah. Bits and pieces. You have two two children and there's... Who who have had the whole thing read to them at this point. Yeah. So, Jeff, there are three or four different positions on this magic field that's played by people that use magic, that use equipment that is magical. There's missionary position. That's one of the positions. There's, uh, there's the keeper. That's basically the goalie. He's on his broomstick. Yeah. He catches stuff, prevents goals being scored. Yeah. There is the chaser who uh, tries to throw like a ball, a magical ball through these big hoops and score 10 points. There's someone calls a beater who's basically like a defenseman who uses mm-hmm. a bat to knock things around, usually yeah. to hit other players too. And who? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the seeker, which is the Harry Potter character, who flies around trying to catch this tiny little ball that's worth 150 points. And it's once you catch the ball, it ends the game. Mm-hmm. This is in this magical world because they need Harry Potter to be the most important person on the field as well as in the story that's yeah. named after him. Yeah. So the sport makes no sense yeah. as a sport. Like, no other game is built like this mm-hmm. I don't in know, real life. When I see cricket, I don't understand it. But there are rules and things to cricket. There's nothing in cricket that, like... Is beholden to a story. There's in nothing in cricket where the sport ends after, in theory, 10 seconds. Or it can go on for a month. It's a nonsense world. People it, trying to play this in real life is so <laughs> infuriating. When your fandom takes it to the level where you think that you can do this thing is just like, I, I, yeah. I, I let me I, ask I, you, I, 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 what's, what's less real or what's more authentic about, um, professional wrestling as, well, as that's, we not, just, that's not, that's not, that's okay. not real. Okay, Jeff. But I don't yeah, know but, if you knew this or not. That's not real. So, but you'll accept that as entertainment. Sure. As sports entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly it's, athletic. It yeah, doesn't sound like there's anything athletic no, in this they're, they're athlete actors that are enacting something that is amazing to watch that sometimes, you know, as a normal person, you're like, I can't, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, yeah. This is the opposite of that. So, uh, Jeff, I would like you to read a little bit um, from some of, like, the history and the rules of Quidditch in real life. Okay. In 2007, the United States Quidditch Association, oh, get out of here. back then named the Intercollegiate Quidditch Association, or IQA, was founded to regulate Quidditch in the United States and abroad, a very popular sport amongst college students. There's citation needed for that. There's no way that this is a very popular sport. According to the International Quidditch Association, the current international governing body of the sport, the original rules and regulation of the popular collegiate sport known as Quidditch were formed, quote, on a sunny afternoon in 2005 by Xander Manchel and Alex Benep, Students at Middlebury College in Vermont, U.S., end quote. This feels like something that I wrote in the Wikipedia entry for the Awesome Helicopter Ninjas, <laughs> which was our kickball team, right. that Wikipedia immediately deleted because it was uh, you, um, unprovable. Yes. <laughs> in contrast to the fictional sport, the game is played on foot while using one hand to hold a broom between the legs and can get quite competitive. Yeah, okay, whatever, nerds. The game is also sometimes referred to as Muggle Quidditch to distinguish it from the fictional game which involves magical elements such as flying broomsticks and enchanted really? balls. The magic game involving magical people is built around the concept of magic. The sport has since then spread across more than 25 countries and includes multiple international tournaments, including a World Cup in 2012. The International Quidditch Association held the IQA World Cup, then named the IQA Summer Games as the torch was passing through Oxford, UK for the Summer Olympics. This is awful. The ultimate goal is to have more points than the other team. By the time the snitch, a tennis ball inside a long sock hanging from the shorts of an impartial <laughs> official dressed oh, in yellow. Oh, sweet is Jesus. Spot. What? 
<laughs> to score points, chasers or keepers must then get the quaffle. Blah, 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 blah. The oh game is ended God. and the snitch is caught by one of the seekers. Wait, wait. We're, we're, we're okay. reread that part where it was something hold, about... Hold on. What? Before you get back to the dangling ball that's hanging out of the guy's shorts, they changed the rules where the, the snitch is worth 30 points because the magic game makes no sense. Oh. The game in, on, in the book and on screen is an awful game for someone who enjoys sports mm-hmm. to uh, wrap their head around. Yeah. The fact that they had to change it because they realized that in real life it wouldn't work either. Right. It's, it, yeah. It's yeah. either you're playing the game and you're pretending to be wizards or you're not. Yeah. And uh, I love Harry Potter. I've read all the books multiple times. I've gone dressed up as them for Halloween. Mm-hmm. I've gone to midnight launches. I've gone to see every movie. This is just... <laughs> Too, oh, bridge too, too far. So wait, reread. So again, re- reread me the section about I got, the ball I got, dangling from somebody's pants. I got it. Um, the ultimate goal is to have more points than the other team by the time the snitch, a tennis ball inside a long sock hanging from the shorts of an impartial official dressed in yellow is caught. This guy or girl runs around the field with a long ball sack hanging out of their pants. What is going on? <laughs> You know, this this seems to me, this reminds me of when I attended Celebration 2, mm-hmm. the Star Wars convention thing, getting ready for um, uh, Phantom Menace. No, the next one, Attack of the Clones, the second Star Wars, whatever. The, I was at a Star Wars con, okay. and uh, people like to fight with lightsabers. Sure. These are plastic uh, lightsabers, the kind that telescope out. This is a great poll. And what they want to do is to be observed loving Star Wars more than anybody else who happens to be standing out in the sun outside a convention hall in Indianapolis at 10 a.m. And I, I think it almost seems like a performance of your passion and so that others may observe, almost like uh, speaking on tongues at some kind of... Uh, uh, Southern Baptist, <laughs> maybe I'm getting them. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting the sect of religion wrong. But no, but these people think it's a legitimate sport. That they should are testifying. Be possibly played at the Olympics. They are testifying, it yeah. seems. Um, which, Ooh, which, boy. which yeah. definitely sorry, takes Rich. it out uh, of out of the realm of sport and into the realm of performance. Yeah. But they don't think that. Right. They think they're doing a sport. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, you know, and, and all of this is wrapped up around like the kickball thing. And like, yeah. we definitely entered playing kickball with a loose sense of. You know, uh, it was always for fun. We always played it as a sport, but we play. We, you know, we did it with a sense of theatricality. Yes, I think that there was a self awareness. We're talking about mirror looking. Yeah, I, I knew we knew what we were doing. Uh, I, don't I don't think they know what they're. I don't think they get, they get it. No, a lot of grumbles. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Richard, what do you got? All right, so I'll stay in the world of the sports and an actual. Actually, well, not really an actual sport. Fantasy football. Uh, also on my list. Is it? Yes. That's oh. unbelievable. Because, yeah. look, I love sports, but fantasy football is, it's awful. Yes. Listen, if your team name is a pun based on the interior lineman of the Tennessee Titans, if somehow <laughs> your football team is called, like, the Jack Conklins and Cokes, like, you have trouble because you think that's so clever. Right. No one else cares. What, what's the name of my, what what's the name of my fantasy baseball team this year? By the way, that's right. Yaz's sideburns. Because if you can shoehorn a Simpsons reference, do it wherever yeah. you can. Yeah, look in the mirror, Richard. I am a that's Simpsons. Awful. I am a Simpsons reference. I didn't put fantasy baseball in here, and let me tell you why. Because I, I <laughs> no, listen. I will. This eat, is a guy looking I in a funhouse mirror right now. He is just he is just trying to absolve himself of all sins. No, this is exactly the same. <laughs> no, let me allow me allow me to say why I think it's different. Because at least with fantasy baseball, look, you've got 162 games in the real baseball season. And I understand that it. Now, you and I co managed a team for a year, a fantasy baseball team. Yeah, it was awful. And it's harder in a lot of ways because you have to, these, you have to make sure your guys aren't on by, you know, off, off days, make sure you have your starting pitchers in the lineup at the right time, all this kind of crap. But as a general rule, like, the best teams, the, whoever picks the best teams generally wins because you got 162 games of results and it all kind of evens out, right? Congratulations for the work that other people have done, Richard. I feel good about it. Yeah, I, I feel like what I accomplished. You've done nothing. I did nothing. The people, listen, but no, I did it for a couple of years. I played foot. I played 
fantasy football for a couple of years. I played fantasy baseball with you for a year and hated it. Hated all of it. It's uh, it, it, this is what it comes down to for me. The people that are way into it are way into it into it not realizing that they are basically just like nerds. Like if you're into comic books, you're way into comic books, and you go to conventions dressed up in your character. Same thing. You're dressed up as someone from the Raiders wearing a Raiders uniform waiting in line all day to go see the Raiders. Sports fans are cosplaying as athletes. And sports fans don't realize that they obsess over kind of minutia and details and statistics in the same way that... The same way that you know amazing, you know, Spider-Man number 17, he fought Thanos. I know this. And And sports fans have these very specific opinions about how things... Well, you know, the team would be playing so much better if they just X, Y, or Z. Just like you know, a comic book nerd would probably have a very similar, well, you know, if, if Rob Liefeld would actually learn how to draw feet or something like that. He would be the best feet drawer ever. <laughs> drawer ever. Well, um, so I, I just, so for the fantasy football <laughs> thing, just real quick, real quick about this. Yeah. I hate the fact that, like, seemingly, maybe this is just me, <clears throat> but somebody is going to break their foot on opening week and your season's just screwed. Like there's not enough, you have a smaller amount of players and a smaller amount of games. So that like one injury basically can screw you for the entire season. And like, you're just done. I hate that. It just drives me like up the wall that like, it's Hmm. like that. But yeah, no, I, I, I admit that me playing fantasy sports, I had, like I said, I had my draft today and Sarah had to go take the kids this and like, sh- like, like shuffle you're them ruin- around. You're ruining the relationship with your kids over fantasy sports. I did. I did. I'm damn proud of it. Uh, I think what gets to me too. Uh, how often are you guys in like your break room and you overhear Todd just telling about the awesome game that his fantasy team had done over the weekend and just like scored so many points and like I tune out everyone in the office anyway but this just like <laughs> peaks like this is when like this is when like the trebles turned way up and everything mm-hmm. gets real yeah getting a little feedback and I'm just like ah oh, nobody cares yeah oh, and, I, and I hate the people that do care too did you ever have a, a an in office league that you had to do I've been offered to play but I only played a couple of years with some friends. You did the AKT. Yeah, yeah, league, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I did the inner office league, which is adds the uh, enjoyment of people like shit talking like coworkers, and and then people getting angry because they're legitimately getting angry because they're getting shit talked, or we only have seven people, so let's try and talk the IT guy in who doesn't know anything about sports, and then let's try and talk him into bad trades the whole year. Hmm. Fun stuff like that. Yeah. Jeff, I have a I have a quick question for you. Yes, sir. How would you feel? Because you brought up wrestling earlier. Yeah. How would you feel about fantasy wrestling? Hmm. Like if you picked a quote team yeah. based on a something that was written as performance, mm-hmm. so that oh, that yeah. you had to get points for mm-hmm. whatever happens on screen or whatever happens within their is relationships it based on, on screen. The last season. Wait, is it based on this? It's based on this season. Sure. Because let's say pictures, wrestling yeah. is quote live yeah, yeah. and that storylines and things happen do you think that is f- it seems like those the because it exists the things in case you're wondering oh does it really yeah oh god yeah oh god yeah how we yeah i don't know because uh-huh. wow it's a written show so yeah. i don't know you can bet on wrestling that's ridiculous too you can bet on wrestling <laughs> there are places like online like in in the uk and stuff yeah Oh, this is such a delicious topic. <laughs> Let's take a break, shall we? Let's take a break and do our halftime. Not a fake sports halftime, but a real podcast halftime. And let's uh, give the listeners something that they could enjoy. And that is a free Audible uh, trial. A free audiobook download when you uh, do the free 30-day trial, giving you an opportunity to check out the service of Audible. Uh, you could try Fantasy Football, The Next Level, How to Build a Championship Team Every Season by David Dory and Nicholas Tikoski. That's right. Only Dude. draft kickers. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I, I have some friends who have an all-punter. Uh, all-punting fantasy. All-punting and kicking. That's, yeah. that's when you see. 
This is when the people that have gone too far have gone too far, that they're so bored of what they're doing yeah. that they have to find a niche thing within the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's all kickers. Uh, uh, all, all just just kickers. Uh, with Audible, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to www.audibletrial.com forward slash Rushmore. They've got 180,000 titles, probably 200,000. I've been saying 180,000 so long. They've uh, added at least one more. Yeah, at least one more. 181,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, and Zune. I just said Zune. Could be. Maybe not. To download your free audiobook today, uh, go read Fantasy Football, the next level. I'll be a championship team every season. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. And we like other podcasts. We like to support them because all boats rise with the tide. And when you go out searching for underdog emerging podcasts, maybe um, you'll uh, give a listen to this one. We're about to play a promo for. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Billy. Host of Martinis in the Macabre, the podcast that covers all things murder, mystery, and mayhem. With some alcohol and dark humor thrown in for good measure. We'd like to invite you to the Martinis in the Macabre Cocktail Hour, where we'll delight you with the soothing sounds of gruesome murders, mysterious disappearances, the paranormal, dark folklore, and many more. Act now and we'll throw in dancing plagues for free. Yes, you heard that right. Dancing plagues. So check out Martinis in the Macabre, available on most podcast apps, and always at martinisinthemacabre.com. Zoop. Zoop. And we're back. And hey, you've supported another podcast by listening to a promo. Support our podcast by going to iTunes and downloading and rating and reviewing past episodes. We really appreciate that. We're also on Stitcher. You can find us there. And you can also go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to Twitter, and connect with us on social media. And when I say connect, I mean you can suggest a topic that we would discuss or put comments on uh, podcast topics we've already discussed or meet hot singles who are looking to have sex in your zip code. Huh? I just, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Richard, oh. you, Richard, what did you sign us up for? <laughs> Wait, I was I told myself I'd be less douchey. Sorry, don't listen to what I just said. <laughs> um, but we'd love to hear from you and get you uh, or your idea in the hopper for a future episode. Other people suggested episode titles, and they've been on our show. Like we, Patty Colum. Like Patty Colum. We are back, and we are discussing the Mount Rushmore of... What is it, Michael? Look, I'm a nerd, and even I think that my third choice, <laughs> cosplay and how good it's gotten, oh. is awful. Awful. So, my third topic. This is, my next two are kind of hand in hand, and they feel very old manny, old man shit. Okay. Get off my lawn type stuff. Yeah. I miss the days when you'd look through Wizard, the guide to comics, and you'd see the guy dressed up as Dr. Octopus, and his arms were made out of, like, the Tin foil. the the dryer, oh, yeah. the dryer, dryer cover, tubing, yeah. dryer Flex, tubing vent with tinfoil fingers, yeah. and, like, you're just like, <laughs> good on you, mate. You're going out like yeah. that? Yeah. It's like low-level Halloween. Yeah. But you see pictures of people that do cosplay, quote, professionally, either, like, as Instagram models yes. or go to various cons dressed up, whether it's like Sakura Con or just Comic Con or mm. the aforementioned Jedi's running around. Uh, what's the Star Wars con? Celebration. Celebration. Yeah. And their costumes are too fucking good. Yeah. And I don't know if it makes me feel ashamed. Not that I ever dressed up, but it's just like the fact that you can use like makers to custom print your perfect costume mm -hmm. is just, yeah. and that like people have made a business out of dressing yeah. up as yeah. a really good version of an anime character that I have no idea who it is and will never know. Yeah, is like just yeah out of this world. What awful is the to implication? I don't know. What is the implication that when, uh, what is lost when perfection is gained? Is it that the sincerity 
with their love for the thing. It's like it's like this uncanny valley thing uh-huh. when you know you when you see like Jason and the Argonauts and it's that Ray Harry House and you know it's yeah. kind of mishmash and kind mm-hmm. of bad, not really real. Yeah. yeah. And then you compare it to something that it, is put out today and it's CGI yeah. and it's too perfect yeah. and neither of them are what you want. You don't want something too perfect in a homemade costume mm-hmm. and you don't want something that's like, you yeah. know, you don't quite want the guy that's dressed up like Dr. Octopus yeah. for like with, with the, you know, the dryer, yeah. the dryer tubing arms. It's the you t- want something that's just like, wow, you put a lot of work into it. I can see this yeah. a little bit. It does look like a costume yeah. and I appreciate that. I feel like it's an attractive woman. You see an attractive woman holding the hands with an ugly guy, and you think, she got to love that guy. Either mm. he's loaded or she just loves him. And mm. I always feel like if the person is, has, they've used their imagination and their passion to fill in the blanks. <laughs> there, there is definitely, yeah. that is a really good point. There yeah. is a cleverness, like a fixing a problem that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. But when you can go to Party City and buy a perfectly fit unitard, costume that's all one color that's perfect right seamless mm-hmm. and you just put some junk yeah. on it it like it's like so yeah. for you is it the the person who just buys it out of the box let's call it versus the person who i remember there was like a reality show about people who made like cosplay outfits who would sit there and like you know spend months making their costumes well i i do appreciate i i do appreciate a couple of things about yeah. that i do appreciate like these crazy costume conventions where someone goes through all the effort of making their amazing mecha outfit and it's perfect and got the lights and the and all the different filaments and it transforms into the stuff and then like the hot girl walks in wearing the store-bought sailor mercury costume and it's just and she wins just because she's good looking yeah i think that's hilarious on a couple different levels i don't mind like like this yes the store-bought costumes aren't those what were the old Star Wars ones that used to be just like plastic, like oh. a plastic Halloween like costume? the vest sort of thing. <laughs> it was a vest. Yeah. They had like the crappy plastic yeah. version of Luke Skywalker's face. And then the, you kind of had the costume, but it also yeah. said Star Wars yeah. on there. And it you're was like, like vinyl sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always seem like there was a, 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 a Boba Fett and then a picture of Boba Fett's face on the bib too. Like <laughs> Boba Fett doesn't wear his own face on his <laughs> right. bib. This is not I think that there canon. is a... I think it's a mix. I think if you can take elements that are store-bought and combine it with something that is original, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. I think it's weird, and I haven't really dressed up my... Well, I haven't dressed up my boy for Halloween once, and he's went as a monkey, so whatever. But, yeah. like, I see those Spider-Man costumes, and they're like, whoa, they got a lot of muscles on there. <laughs> whoa, those look really... Right. Those look like screen print, and they look perfect. And that, <laughs> that, That's a great He-Man costume, and it doesn't look like the one that my mom sewed together for me. Yeah. And we're talking costumes as, like, a Halloween thing, but... Mm-hmm. I think that like cosplay or how just good it is, it's just like, nah, it's a little lot. How, yeah. how do you feel about And I think it becomes a lifestyle. And I think part of that is like when this stuff is like all encompassing, that's where it kind of maybe my. Eh, 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 how do you feel about off. like historical costuming? Ooh. And I ask you this knowing that Sarah will probably kill you if you give the wrong answer. Uh, my wife. <laughs> uh, my wife, Sarah, by the way. Yes. I don't think there's any. I think it's a different. I think it's a different ballpark. I don't think that. I don't know. Like I, I know. I, I like steampunk. I, How about that? Well, those nerds. That's a thing. <laughs> I think that there is a culture around trying to recreate something that has existed. I don't know. I. Whoa, uh, uh, oh, oh, Michael, what's happening? Oh, my powdered wig almost fell off. Where's my mount? I shall charge upon Boston. Where I. Led this team of ragged ne'er-do-well farmers with all these mismatched uniforms. If only we would look like a a, 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 a a uniform group. If we all had the same costume that was sewn to perfection. Uniform. The same colors. It just looks like we're just goofing around. Oh, hello, young man. <laughs> How are you? It's me, General Washington. That's right. Trying to I lead. like pre-president Washington over here. Oh, you don't even know what a president lead, is. Lead don't worry about it. No, don't no. Try it yeah. A president is when you <laughs> do something first. That's right. And I will be the first to lead this group of farmers, many of uneducated men, many of them starved with scurvy and disease. 
I will lead them to Sounds victory. like a great nation. <laughs> That's right. And this, the, why well, I'll call it the Revolutionary War. That's what I'll do. That's right. TM, copyright. General Washington. Washington. 1776. But hey, you want to see some kick-ass shit? <laughs> These are my little men that I've done. I've decorated them, and I've painted oh, them, wow. hand-painted them. They're really cool. I've molded them myself. I spent about 200 hours on each <laughs> little guy. Yeah, here, can I, can here's I see a one general. here? No, whoa, no, whoa, no whoa. don't you mess it. You're not playing right with it. Oh, you messed it up. You bit his bayonet. <laughs> Confound you, sir. You're not giving enough respect I've to me. I've bit some bayonets in my day, but... Well, I, I don't... What? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, are you guys way into, like, action figures like <laughs> I am? Aren't they really great? I mean, I've got hundreds of these, and I spent I like this. I, I have this hours. King George action figure that's my favorite. Do not <laughs> sully this fine day by mentioning... That person. <laughs> give me that action figure. I've got, um, I've uh, got a whole French and Indian War set. I believe oh, that, that you're actually in it, Give sir. me that. I'm tamping them into my flintlock here, and I shall use them as musket fodder. <laughs> oh, God. Guys, I'm back. Looks like General Washington killed himself. <laughs> it was a, he, he a real wild scene there. <laughs> he couldn't tell a lie. <laughs> he then he had him. to die. He just seemed like he was geeking out over some action figures or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we got really off topic. Oh, a bit of a nerd. What apparently. a nerd. What a nerd. Uh, I am okay with historical costume play. Okay, good. Yeah. I like your wife, and I don't want her to hurt me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what, uh, when I, the brief bit of time after Swingers came out and the Cocktail Nation was, uh, was, like a terrorist cell, kind of like activated. Oh, that was me, by the way. That was you. Oh, I was. Oh my god. Oh dear. Oh were dear. I saw like, that movie like ten times in the theaters. No you, good. Were you one of these people who was a purist in terms of like, oh, you're doing the East Coast Lindy or the West Coast Lindy? Oh no, no, I didn't. I wasn't. I, I mainly I just wore like bowling shirts and okay. went to three clubs or you know some some the Sinatra room or something. Because I heard like, like people snobbing out over that stuff. Like your clothes aren't vintage. You're mixing. You know, like oh, I'm sure people did. I I wasn't that, I was not hardcore into uh -huh. it, uh -huh. like like that. That's that that's mix that's mixing douchebaggery and uh, yeah. snobbishness into one very special bully concoction and bully yeah. base. Um, okay, all right. So now, what was that concern? Which, which exactly? What category necessary? What, what would you say that the focus is? Cos cosplay? What, yeah, and how good it's gotten. Okay, okay, um, okay. Uh, Richard, what do you got? Look. As Michael has said before, I don't like any music that was made after like 1994. Okay, we established that is indeed a fact. And I and I really like classic rock, probably more so than anyone my most people my age. But the Doors are the fucking worst. They are such an abomination to music. They are my least least favorite band, and it's by a fair sight. <laughs> and this came up because last week's episode, our guest Patty, made a reference to the Doors, and I don't know if you remember. You you physically tensed up. I, I got a little tight. I sort of had to like back away because mm -hmm. trigger. I could feel like a rant about the Doors coming on. Yeah, and I was like, I don't want to take. I don't want to take this thing down down that road. We so had to put here's a, our chance. We had to put a bit in your mouth to keep you from foaming <laughs> and and hurting yourself. I mean, I know a lot of people who's with musical taste that I respect who like the Doors, and when I hear that they like the Doors, I suddenly start questioning their musical tastes. What don't What don't you like about it's them? just? Is it Jim Morrison? Because he's the one who turns me off. I, that's that's the overrated. biggest part of it. I mean, he he he's, he he per, wants people want to buy into him as. Sort of this like beat poet, yeah. sex god. Yeah. When really he was just like a, he was like a bloated dad. Mm, okay. That's how he sounded like to me. He always sounded like a dad singing. That's mm -hmm. baby. Yeah. There was nothing like revolutionary about that. Yeah. And And the lyrics are, they're what you think when when you're when you're like seventeen or nineteen or twenty. And you think you're right. You've you've read Allen Ginsberg a couple of times, mm -hmm. and you're okay. inspired to like like write poetry. Yeah, that's the crap that comes out. Yeah, and it's just bloated. Everything about the Doors was bloated. Mm -hmm. It's like all the excesses of like bad classic rock sixties. You can you can start to draw that direct line from 
the bloatedness of the doors and of Jim Morrison by the end. Ooh, ooh, I have a question for you. Yeah. I had to make a noise like a monkey there for a second. <laughs> or, or Horshack from a Horshack. Mr. Cutter. Uh, last year we did an episode on uh, TV products. Yeah. And one of them was the like masters of classic rock. What was oh, it? Freedom Rock. Freedom Rock. Oh, turn it up. <laughs> were, were the doors represented on Freedom Rock and or were they on like a compilation album that you would listen to everything like that was just like, oh, this is the classic rock of the 60s and the 70s and da da da. And the doors would come on and you'd just be like, bink, gone. Hmm. I remember being a kid and MTV would have an hour every afternoon. This is back when they played music videos because I have to make that joke. Um, they would have an hour of classic music videos like from the 60s. And anytime a doors, well, actually, I take that back. When I was in junior high, Deep cut right here. I thought, I thought that the doors were cool because I was twelve and my brother thought the doors were was like one yeah. of those who bought into the Jim Morrison mystique and yeah. had like the the uh, the poster of the the, the one where he's kind of shirtless. shirtless. Yeah, yeah. Had he got, up he on got his Lizard wall. King monthly. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> and so I wanted to be cool like my brother, so I just started. I, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, well, Jim Morrison must be cool. My brother thinks he's cool, and. I listened for about a year and then I, I just had some sort of break or something where it's just like, wait, what am I doing? Yeah. It was almost like, like, like having, an, I feel like someone may have had an intervention with me about mm-hmm. the doors. <laughs> like Richard, sit down. We need to talk to you. Yeah. You've been, you've been listening to the doors <laughs> lately, haven't you? Do, do you have a relationship with the iconography of any other character? I think of like uh, people who were sold to young people in the eighties and 90s among them were say that frat guy had that Bob Marley poster right that girl who had the Audrey Hepburn poster or the Marilyn Monroe or the Jimmy Dean or something like that there is iconography that outlasted the individual Mm, yeah and and I wonder would we I feel exactly the same way about the doors with you and I I had shouting matches with a college roommate who bought everything Jim Morrison was selling all that right that Funko bobbleheads Funko bobbleheads yeah that um, deodorant, e- e- everything, <laughs> and I remember thinking the music, or the, the bloated, over the top, uh, sex idol t- stuff was stuff that I bought from Elvis Presley. I wasn't buying from Jim Morrison. It just always yeah. felt, but Jim Morrison, it always felt manufactured. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, because by the time I got around to starting listening to him, he'd been dead for yeah fifteen years or whatever. So you know, there was no. He was a stand-in for what people wanted to assume 60s Los Angeles yeah. sexy rock god cool was. Mm-hmm. But when you look at him, like I think from a modern perspective, you just don't see that yet. I just It's hard not to see somebody who is just way you know, overly, very pretentious. Yeah. And had a, certainly believed that he was... He, he bought into his own shit. Mm-hmm. I, I think we talked about that before, people who buy into their own yeah. shit or don't. Yeah. He, he bought into his own shit. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. I definitely think like a guy like Bowie, uh, who had the overtop persona, who had the swagger, who had these um, cultivated identity, at least on stage. Right. Uh, he had a lot of uh, the musical productivity and talent to back that up. Uh, a guy like Mick Jagger had swagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost every great rock lead. Uh, Lou Reed had plenty of mystique. And, right. And a lot of, there was a lot to... To, to want to know about that character. I don't need to know anything more about Jim Morrison. I, yeah, I've learned yeah. all I need to. Yeah. And then even to the point where like, uh, we've talked about X being one of my favorite bands and Ray Manzarek produced their first two albums and manages to get his organ all over several of the songs. <laughs> and I remember, you know, you listen to it and it's like, oh, here comes Jim, here comes Ray Manzarek here just to kind of remind you, oh, hey, I was in the doors. It's like, get it, get that off of the track. Go away. Shoo. Do you think that you had a pop culture recoil because of the movie? Because that came out, that was a 91 movie, so that would have been right in your prime. I would have I'm headed I, off to college. I'm in high school. I'm not nah, already to either. No, nah, it, was, it was before. It was, okay. it was before. I, I, I had I'm the, always the curious break about like how, because th- there are times when that happens where something becomes so popular that you're just like, or a resurgence or there's something, not necessarily you, but just one. And it it's like, Oh, I hate this now. I can't believe this yeah. is popular again. You're just like, the doors. Huh? It's reminded me of everything that I've disliked and 
but wow, he does look like him. I th- yeah, <laughs> I think for me it was right around the time I started listening to punk, mm. and it just felt incompatible. Somehow my brother was able to make it work, and God bless him that he did. But it felt incompatible to listen to punk and then also think that Jim Morrison yeah. was cool. Yeah, I think the level of depth of the 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 um, when Jim Morrison uh, lyrically asks you to challenge some kind of preconceived notion or comes at you with some kind of trippy psychedelic poetry, it's about as deep as like the plot of the Matrix. Right, bro. The world you're living in ain't even real. Which pill are you gonna take? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I. Uh, that being said, "Touch Me" is a good song. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. Everybody, say one good thing about the Doors. Uh. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I love to. that they use tack piano and people are strange. That blink ding ding ding. Yeah. Brian Wilson used it. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Michael, what's your last choice? Uh, my last choice is tied hand in hand to my third choice, which is Comic Con, specifically San Diego Comic Con, and how overly marketed it has become. Like, and this is like one of those things where like, maybe it's a flashback to, I remember things being a certain way and it's hard to divest from, but I grew up going to Comic-Con, even into my teens and twenties would go down and it would be a place that you'd go to pick up back issues. And it would be a place that you'd go to meet your favorite writers and artists, well, your favorite artists, you wouldn't go meet your writers, <laughs> but you'd go to like panels with those artists and those writers. You'd go to see some cool comic book stuff and stand in line for autographs for forever and experience that aspect of it. But it's turned into this really strange movie TV series, star Wars overly marketed thing that it's all about panels and all about seeing the first footage of some new movie. And uh, it's feels so far afield from what it feels it should be. And maybe it's just the LA-ness and the West Coast and being the industry is just here. Right. But it feels like other comic book conventions like WonderCon in New York and I forget what it's called in Seattle. Emerald City Comic Con. Topeka Con. I I think that there are probably smaller comic book conventions where you can go and meet uh, Chewbacca. Yeah. Where you can go and hang out with the third guy that was in Battlestar Galactica. You can yeah. do, you can meet all the low level guys that are just trying to make ends meet signing mm-hmm. autographs and you pay overly pay, but your fandom has led you to a spot where you're okay with that versus whatever comic con is now, which is just like four days plus a preview night of just like, I can't find the local vendors. I can't find what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. It's everything is just inundated with, way too good cosplay and guys swinging lightsabers around and people that are so into their own specific thing that Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a put off. And like for someone that grew up and spent 15 years collecting comics pretty regularly and reading them and feeling like I was part of a big community, it's just a very strange thing to see it kind of turn in a direction that you're just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, uh, you just don't feel a part of it. It feels like a community that's, left you behind. And like I said, there's a very old man (laughs) aspect to it that like, it's hard to, but like I look in the mirror and I realize that's just not me anymore. And I can't expect it to change. It won't go back to that. I don't expect it to, but I can leave it in the past Mm -hmm. and be like, Oh yeah, there was a time and a place for that. And that's gone. Do you think that, uh, some individuals who may have been searching for legitimacy or, uh, um, something like uh, relevance in that world have become more mainstream. Like Stan Lee, a lot of people know who that guy is now. They might yeah. not have known him or recognized him. I think so. Maybe it's also like a rise of the internet culture where you had to go to places like that to meet your people like mm-hmm. that. Okay. I was different in that I didn't like talking to comic book people. Yeah. Like I had a lot of opinions about Spider-Man and Venom and whoever, I did not care what the other kid at the comic book store was yeah. telling me about him. Yeah. It was like, eh, keep your dopey-ass Spider-Man theories to yourself. I got <laughs> mine, and I'm fine. And when I'd be at Comic-Con, I would like still shy away from that, even though people would talk to you yeah. 
just they were just have they had no filter about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, do our other con- but I think that the internet culture where everything is happening all at the same time, you're talking to people online and they're all over the world. Everything is so interconnected that a specific thing, whether it's a group meetup, doesn't feel if. If I'm interested in the next Avengers trailer mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just wait for it to debut on Twitter. Yeah. In Do you feel like five it, minutes after it's shown at the convention or would, whatever. Would like you be I, the same? I don't know how long you followed any, what band you may have followed in their emerging mm-hmm. stage and now they've got a hit. Do you feel that way about that band? Like, ah, oh, I felt like they were. I, no, I don't. I don't have like a peculiar or a, like a, a specialness or an ownership over a certain band, nor do I feel like bad if they get bigger and somebody else notices yeah, them. Yeah. I don't have like a me first uh-huh. and certainly not me first in the gimme gimmies. No, that's uh, from our cover yeah, uh, songs yeah. episode last <laughs> week. Nobody mentioned that. Uh, I don't have a, like I was into them first. And mm-hmm. so I love them more than you and you could not possibly, I don't have that sort of like yeah. attachment. It's just uh, something's yeah. gone. I don't know. Like did, Richard, you were in sports and stuff. Did you go to sport card conventions, or did you get do any of that sort of stuff? Not really. I've never been an autograph guy. Mm. I just it wasn't something that I, I, I get excited about. Yeah. One time I did I did collect sports cards, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't go to shows. I would go to the local like collectibles place yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know BS around with the guy who worked there. But I tried to go to one uh, one time, and it's supposed to be meet Mark Grace of the Chicago Cubs, mm-hmm. and he didn't show up. No. And you did not meet Mark Grace. You meet nobody. I think that there's also like, maybe it's just an, in my youth, I had a lot more patience. Like I waited six hours for like Todd McFarlane's autograph. Yeah. And that was at like when you're 12 years old or 13 and you've got, I guess, nothing you else to nothing do. Else. What are you going to do? Yeah. But like, I could not imagine that. I wouldn't wait an hour. Yeah. I wouldn't wait. Like, it's like something that like, I think passes you by or you grow out of yeah. it. Some people don't grow out of it, but. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, there's so much melancholy in this subject. I think a lot of I think a lot of this is like it's built on these things that you love. Like Richard loves classic rock and Richard yeah. loves oh, no, food yeah, but yeah. hates but the coffee is just like uh, yeah. and like all of this stuff is I think built on a layer of love that's just like oh yeah degraded or eroded or it's like changed into something you don't recognize anymore yeah. and you're just like uh I Yeah, it feels tainted. It feels like yeah. Okay, Richard, what's your final? All right, so my final one. Um, I'll go back to sports for this one. I love soccer. I'm wearing a, a soccer T-shirt right now. I go and travel around the country to support my uh, local soccer team as well as the national team. But this flopping in soccer, it's got to stop. It's madness. And it's the thing, it's the number one thing that when I'm watching a match, especially if I'm watching it with people who aren't soccer fans like me, and I see like a really bad dive or a really bad flop or some guy rolling around like he's been shot by a sniper. It just makes me cringe. And yeah. it's just sort of like, ugh, every like 80s and 90s stand-up comedian was right about it, right? <laughs> about the sport? and Yeah, yeah. because then, well, all you see is Italians rolling around, you know, yeah. acting like they've been shot all the time. And it's like, well, yeah, that, yeah. that does happen. And I find myself trying to like, no, no, no. See, that really does hurt whenever you get your your heel gets clipped out, out out behind you like that when you're running. Oh yeah, you can you can pull a quad or you can you know strain your leg really easy. He's really hurt. No, he's not. Stand up comedians <laughs> being right is really infuriating. Oh, especially eighties, especially eighties stand up comedians. Yeah, paper towels do get that way. Oh my god. And what are you and like like what are you dri- driveway? It really should be called a parkway, right? <laughs> that, Have you tried airplane food? <laughs> Uh, that is such an interesting observation to pick up on, like, that that's what kind of gets you, that needles you about someone being right about something that you love. Right. And mm-hmm. proving themselves right and you eventually coming around to it. I think that's fascinating. And then, therefore, it's like this opens up the whole, like, so I think as a society, I think right now in 2018, we're a little bit past the, well, soccer, it's not even real sport. That's what foreigners play and all that kind of. It's like been accepted as part of the U.S. sports culture. I mean, you know, it's not baseball or football or anything like that, but people people at least now accept that soccer is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? But whenever you see this one part of it, it just brings back all of these, like, 
being a soccer fan when no one else watched soccer and everyone like actively made fun of you for watching soccer. He's the guy. He's the guy that was into me first in the gimme gimmies and can't stand it that <laughs> someone else is listening to him now. I had a bowling shirt, so again, <laughs> not gonna lie about it. But yeah, it just brings so every time I see somebody like get barely touched and then do like double somersaults yeah. and like your body doesn't when when you get tripped your reaction is not to have both your legs go backwards and your chest go flying out that's that's not how that's not how the body works and except the, except if you're a 10 month old baby because <laughs> they fall down in ways that you do not even know is possible they also bounce so that's the that's a it's wild corollary but it's also a good so thing you find your your it does it undoes all your ambassadorship for soccer. You've evangelized the sport, and, and then 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 somebody sees some some Italian guy like like I said rolling around like they've been snipered, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's bad. And it's kind of like you avert your eyes, yeah. And, oh boy, oh that's funny. I think it's one of those things that that helps to. It's an undermining of your own appreciation. Yes, when the one thing that happens to be true that happens every once yeah. in a while that's like is what happens in the sport yeah that you're just like that causes this person to disregard every other aspect mm-hmm. of it right and makes you feel bad for liking it even though you know yeah i like just it ex- for all the reasons that's uh-huh. not that i love it for everything else but this one thing that you're nitpicking becomes the thing that you're just yeah. like gonna hang your hat on and not let me forget about the next time I see you at the water cooler, whatever. And it's the thing that what well, they it's constantly like, oh, we need to get this out of the sport, and they try to like institute things, and it never, yeah, never goes, and it's never going to go, I don't think. And as a fan, you just sort of learn to live with it, and kind of like laugh at it when it's really bad, you know, and <laughs> or whatever, you know, it's just sort of like this like institutional part of it. Mm-hmm. But when you're around it with someone who's not a fan and they automatically that's what they latch on to that's when it gets kind of cringy yeah it's interesting with like uh, being german and saying we make such good chocolate <laughs> why are you focusing on the past all the time <laughs> it was a really it was a really bad thing <laughs> i know did. it was bad but it wasn't me but it was like, my grandfather but it wasn't me but like really bad. <laughs> <laughs> or if you were of a certain nationality and you want to point to the headline in the newspaper where it says, we "Do, it, guy, like, do guy, it like Jay Leno." Guy, hey, Sam, some way, some way these Crimeans headlines. headlines. It's Crimean. Crimean wins scholarship, but also Crimean robs liquor store. Which one are people going to pay attention to? Great, I like Crimean. Well, that was like Mike Tyson. <laughs> that was Mike you know, Leno we're, Tyson. We're close to Burbank, so that could have been Jay Leno <laughs> just rolling by in his, his, his Canadian, tux, his Canadian <laughs> yeah. tuxedo. Yeah. Hey guys, you guys well, hear the podcast? I'm, guys, I'm, dri- I'm driving like, a three wheeled car that runs on kerosene. <laughs> That's Curly from the Three Stooges, <laughs> yeah, is what that was. <laughs> it runs on Curly scene? Suffer and succotash. No, that's you, somebody's here. Okay. All right, guys, this has been amazing. I, I haven't done this in a while, um, um, but I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to do that thing where I go, Richard. Here's your particular psychosis. Yes. Here's okay, your good. Here's your pop culture I like this. analysis. Um, many of your decisions, like you had one decision, you had one choice that was the same as Michael's, but they seem to be about you. Um, like Michael said, taking the things that you love and trying to use them to search for legitimacy within your peer group or the group around you or finding yourself in the world. Sure. Yeah. And like you. Like coffee? Like, well, like how, as a, I'm a non-coffee drinker in a coffee drinking world, and that impairs my relatability right. to other people around me. Or um, I'm somebody who likes some uh, musicianship that's more authentic than the, the Doors right. in a world where people love this phony, phony bullshit, phony yeah, blowhard bullshit. Or like your relationship with soccer and how you're kind of evangelizing. You 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 believe in it enough that you evangelize it, and. Uh, then some bullshit happens, <laughs> like right. flopping. So, so I love how personal that is to you. And I think Michael, it seems like your choices have been about you're you're seeking out your remaining authenticity in these things that had such an innocent charm to them that have been merchandised and 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 sold. Those things that, like, it's like you have this crush on the sweet little 
young girl in your classroom and you sh next day she shows up she's wearing makeup and she's been you know her hair's been bleached and tarted up real tarted good tarted up you know you like I don't know who you are anymore Julie <laughs> I don't know who you are so I find them very charming and I love how personal they they are um but that doesn't have anything to do with the scoring the scoring shall be thus um fantasy football is up on the Rushmore so I guess you each get a point for that <laughs> Uh, just saying the doors gets the bile into my mouth. So there'll be a point for the doors. I love acting. So Quidditch, uh, <laughs> and, and the pic, the picture you paint of these, those idiots, these super house oh. slithering idiots. Um, so that was pretty oh, great. Oh, don't get me started on people that are convinced that they are in one house, in house. or another. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Gryffindor. Hufflepuff. Oh my God. Okay. Um, and I, I have heard, I have dealt with a lot of cosplay folks and it is a, there's a lot of range in, in that world there, but I too do totally understand, um, what you're, uh, laying down about the cosplay thing. And you know what, uh, Richard, you made me do a little bit of a re rewind when you mentioned coffee. So it, it did go back to that, uh flashed all the way back to the first time my dad let me have a sip of his coffee. are we giving so. out this episode? Oh, shit. Did I, did I overdo it? Yeah. Okay. Hey, we'll you're, stop the at you're the judge. No, we'll stop at Cosplay. You get five. You have a five-headed Rushmore. Take it away. Do whatever you want, Jeff. Don't listen to him. Oh, man. Let's just... He's really on the ropes now. What's he going to do? Which, <laughs> which, which angel, which devil is he going to listen to? He's got, he's got devil one, on one devil on one arm, devil on the other. We're both... Ah! My back's just broke. Oh, my legs are broken. Oh, I'm going to flop on the ground. Oh, <laughs> oh it's a pity. Oh, it's oh, a pity. No. Yeah. Oh. It's a tragedy. So I'll, I'll choose flopping instead of coffee. Okay. So that was the Mount Rushmore of, um, hey, I'm a nerd, but I don't really like the thing that you like. And um, this has been Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Yeah.